Well, today, we begin the second week of Advent. But before we get to that, who remembers what we talked about last week? I got one. Which one of you kids out there remembers what you learned in Sunday school last week? Somebody? Hope. Hope. <laughs> one of the kids out there. How many of you kids got your points for saying your verse in Sunday school this morning? Did anybody? Sethi wasn't even there. Did any of you guys get points for Sunday school? I see some hands over here. Okay, back there and over here. Well, last week we talked about hope. And for those of you adults who don't know, the children in their Sunday school are following the same four-week theme of Advent. So they're, they're getting it in Sunday school and then they're being reminded or expanded on it as much as they can learn in the adult uh, sermon here. And there's a verse that we said last week and it's also a verse that they learned in their Sunday school last week. It was their memory verse. And it's from Lamentations chapter 4 and verse 26. And for those of you who know my wife very well, you'll know that she puts verses to songs to help memorize them. So for those of you kids who learned your song, sing it with me. It is good for one to hope and wait quietly for the salvation of God Something like that. I heard my kids singing that over and over again in the house. <laughs> what does it do for us when we hope and wait quietly for the salvation of God? What do you think that makes us feel like? Upset and worked up and worried? What sort of thing does that put within us? Peace. And that's what we're looking at this week. So hope is Advent number one, and we hope and people hoped for the return of Christ, and that has a lot to do about our attitude and our perspective, but that, waiting for the Lord, works peace in us. In Luke chapter 2, verses 13 and 14, it says, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That's a common phrase at Christmas time, isn't it? Peace on earth earth. I looked up just in our, in what we as the worship team use, it's called Planning Center. It has all our songs in there and you can do searches by different words and songs. And I found these Christmas carols that talk about peace. Good Christian men rejoice. Hark the herald angels sing. I heard the bells on Christmas day. It came upon a midnight clear. O holy night, O little town of Bethlehem, silent night, while shepherds watch their flocks. All these ones have that theme of peace surrounding the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And something that we also remember at Christmas time. Now, peace was very woven into the fabric of Jewish society. What is one Hebrew word that you know? Shalom. That means peace. That was their greeting. They would go around and greet each other with that, that word, shalom. And it means safe, well, happy, friendly, welfare, health, prosperity. It's a little different than, than what became popularized here back in the 1970s and stuff where people would go, peace. It's a little different than that. It was a very deep meaning, a deep greeting that they would give to one another. 
We find an example of this in 1 Samuel with King David when he sent people to Nabal to request provisions. We know that didn't end up very good. But David sent his servants with this instruction. He said, tell, tell him peace, which is shalom, be to both thee, peace to thine house, and peace unto all that thou hast. It was a tremendous um, blessing or greeting that they gave to one another. So what is peace? What does peace mean for us? I was thinking about this sermon on Friday night. I was, I was working on preparing it on Friday night, and my, my wife had gone to the ladies' get-together, so I had all three boys, and I managed to get two of them into bed, and I was putting number three into bed, and I laid him down, and he sucked his thumb, if that tells you which one of the three it was. Went right down in his bed, and I turned around and walked toward the door to leave his room, and as soon as I got to the door, he started crying incessantly. And it's something, a habit that he's picked up lately. So I, I went and did what I need to do, I think with the other boys, my, if I, my, my memory serves me right, but anyways, I did a couple things I needed to do, and I went back, and he was still crying, so I got him, sat in his room with him, try to comfort him, and then I hear the door open from the other ones that I had gotten into bed, and one of them came over and said, I want to say goodnight. I didn't get to say goodnight to, to the, the one who was sucking his thumb. And um, if you had walked in my house Friday night, you would have not thought that there was very much peace in my home. It was a noisy place. It was not how I viewed the evening as going as I'm trying to prepare a message for Sunday expecting some quiet time. But would you have said that there was peace in my heart? Yes. You would have been wrong. <laughs> I appreciate that answer, though. If all of us parents are honest with ourselves, we would admit that there are times with our children that there's not peace in our heart, while there's not peace in our home either, if we're honest. There should have been peace in my heart. But it got me to thinking, and it worked some peace in my heart uh, as I was thinking about the sermon and as I was on the other side of the crying children and the ones who were getting out of bed and such. While I was studying for this message, I was reminded of a poem that we sometimes sing at Christmas time. This poem is a, by a man named Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. If you've studied in school at all, you probably have heard of Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. Perfect. Here's the story to the poem that we're about to read. I've always heard this song as a song and thought, this song doesn't really make sense. It's missing something, and whoever wrote that must not have been a very good writer. Then I realized it was Henry Wadsworth Longfellow who wrote it, and he's a pretty good writer. But the backdrop is, he'd lost his wife, a couple years before he wrote this poem, her dress caught on fire. He was severely burned himself in his face. He had scars, that's why he grew a beard at that time, um, but his wife didn't make it. She was burned to death. She died the next day. Fast forward two years from that, and his son had gone into the, the Civil War, and he was a soldier in the Civil War. And in November, the end of November, his son was shot through the shoulder and out the back, just missing his spine, missing his heart. And it skimmed his spine. He was, should have been paralyzed. It just missed. And he should have died, and it just missed. So here's Henry Wadsworth Longfellow going through this in 1863, leading up to Christmas time. 
And he's meditating on what is involved at Christmas time and how we focus on peace on earth at Christmas time and the coming of Christ. And then he's looking at what's surrounding him with family loss, with civil war, with people killing each other. And that's why he wrote this song that we know as I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. His poem is called Christmas Bells. And I'm going to read it and I'm going to comment on a couple of things as I go through because now that I know the story behind it, and I know a couple parts that we often leave out of the song, it makes a lot more sense. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play, and wild and sweet the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And thought how as the day had come, and belfries of all Christendom had rolled along the unbroken song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Till ringing, singing on its way, the world revolved from night to day, a voice, a chime, a chant sublime of peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Those three verses are all happy and cheerful, right? The song is carrying on of peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Now, when we sing it, this is where we often go. And in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said. And that to me was always like, how come you have three verses of joyful carrying on the song? And then the guy's going, there's no peace when he just said for three verses that there was. But let's talk about the two that are always left out of the song. And I'm going to qualify this because when I read through it and Sarah read through it, she's like, I think you should leave these verses out of the sermon. <laughs> because we misunderstood what they said. Because it uses the word black, and we, when we hear that, immediately go racial. And it uses the word south. But he's talking about cannons. So here's what it says. Then from each black accursed mouth, the cannon thundered in the south. The black mouth is the mouth of each cannon that's blowing the cannonballs and destroying each other. Those are the accursed mouths of those black cannons. And with the sound, the carols drowned of peace on earth, goodwill toward men. How can you look at peace when you're surrounded by war and violence and death? It was as if an earthquake rent the heaven stones of a continent and made forlorn the households born of peace on earth, goodwill toward men. And then he comes to the next verse that we usually know and sing. And in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill toward men. This is how he ended it, though. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail with peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Amen. Amen. This was written by a man who had gone through a tremendous amount of pain and difficulty. And yet he said, in the end, peace will win. That we know is true. When we say the word peace, most people think of an end of military violence. Like this poem, this song looks forward to one day, a time when there will be no conflict, when everybody will get along. Would that be wonderful? Yeah. Amen. Does the Bible tell us that will happen? Some of you are nodding. Some of you are like, is that a trick question? <laughs> it does tell us that it will. But unfortunately, it doesn't tell us until it's the end. 
It says there will be wars and rumors of wars. Things will continue to get worse and dark. So while the world is hoping for a a tremendous unity and peace around the globe, we're sure from the word of God that that's not going to happen. So what is peace? The same Jesus who is the Prince of Peace is the one who said, he said this, think not that I am come to send peace on the earth. I am come not to send peace, but a sword. In Matthew 10, verse 34. But he's called the Prince of Peace. So what is peace? Well, that world peace is an aspect of peace, and we can certainly hope and pray for that. But let's talk about a peace that is relevant to each of us. At a verse, a words that Jesus gave us in John 14, verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. I've never connected the thoughts at the end of this verse to peace. I've always read through it like, okay, peace, not be troubled, not be afraid. What is he bringing us into that is peace? But what he's bringing us into that is peace is what the end of the verse says. Let not your heart be troubled, let it not be afraid. Because no matter what we're surrounded by, like Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, surrounded by death and war and destruction, he could still have peace. And we can still have peace, no matter what goes on around us. That word troubled, when Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled, here it means agitated. Don't let your heart be agitated. Have you ever felt agitated about something? That means worked up about something. I have been reminiscing as I was studying over the last few months, and I think this time in our life has been, for me anyways, one more than any other where it's easier to see the possibility of agitation. It's easier for it to come out because it seems like there's, there's clear science, sides, there's clear difficulty, there's always a, a clear struggle? Am I on the everybody should lock down side? Or am I on the everybody should be free side? Am I on the everybody should wear a mask side? Or am I on the everybody shouldn't wear a mask because they should be free to the side? Am I on the everybody should be vaccinated to protect all of us? Or am I on the everybody should have a choice whether they do that? And it's easy to go through these. I'm not picking a side on these from the pulpit. You can do that from your seat. But it's easy to hear these things and to pick a side and then get agitated worked up, lose peace over any one of these things. It's easy to get agitated right now about politics in our country. Do I let my heart get worked up and agitated? Or do I stand back and say, okay, Lord, you are in control. Lord, I look to you and I trust you and I hope in you. And therefore, we have peace. Amen? Amen. That choice is ours. But Jesus said, let not your hearts be troubled. This is not a peace that the world gives. The world tries to bring peace by bringing people together to end conflict. Jesus says in the midst of conflict, I will be in you to bring peace to your agitated heart. So no matter what goes on around you, you have my peace. And then he said, let not your heart be afraid. Afraid means timid. 
Have you ever felt timid? All the ones who have are too timid to admit it in public. <laughs> have you ever been afraid? Yes, I have been afraid. Not very often, but I have been afraid. But Jesus said, no matter what goes on around you, no matter what unknown thing happens in your life, in your job, in your family, in your health, no matter what, in your government, no matter what happens, you do not have to be afraid because God is with us. So God gives us peace in, the heart, in our heart in the middle of circumstances. There's a song from years ago back when I was in Bible school and Pastor Jason used to sing this song a couple times and uh, it's got this one phrase in it, this common phrase through it. It says, sometimes he calms the storm and other times he calms his child. And I always remember that. And most of the time in our life, God doesn't calm the storm. Most of the time in our life, God calms his children. He calms us. So how we have peace in the middle of a storm or any time is to recognize that we are in God's hands. This is what King David said in Psalm chapter 4 and verse 8. I will both lay me down in peace and sleep. For thou, Lord, only makest me dwell in safety. Psalm 4, 8. David didn't say this because he was safe. David said this because he could lie down in peace and sleep because it was God. He recognized God's hand in his life as the one who made him safe. Was David a warrior? Was David one of the most skilled military men of his time? Was he capable? Could he have fought just about anybody? And he didn't lie or put his, his trust in these physical capabilities. He said, it is you, Lord, who make me dwell in peace and safety. It is God no matter our capable, our natural ability, our natural training, our physical strength, no matter what capabilities we have, it is only God who makes us to dwell in peace and sleep. And when we realize that, it gives us more peace than struggling in our own efforts. Isaiah 26 verse 3 says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. So why, or where does the peace come from? That will keep him in perfect peace. God gives the peace to those who? Whose mind is stayed or, or fixed on God. Who says, Lord, it's only by you. You're the only one that can do this. I trust in you, Lord. And that's what King David's, or Isaiah sorry, says at the end. Because he trusteth in thee. Where is your mind? Where is my mind? Where do my thoughts go? Do they lead me to agitation or fear? Or do they lead me to the Lord? We can have perfect peace if our mind is on the Lord. And we trust him. I was thinking of Mary and Joseph. I was thinking of some of the things that Jesus' parents here on earth, that they went through in the early part of their marriage, in the early part of being parents, some of the stuff that God led them through. Now, the Bible doesn't specifically say that they had peace. Neither does it specifically say that they were fearful and agitated either. 
But when they were a young couple, young married couple with a young child, God directed them through a genocide. God directed them to go live in Egypt, which was to the Israelites a wicked place to have to go. And yet they followed God's direction, seemed to have peace, but they were surrounded by difficulty. And so that is my short encouragement to us today. No matter what you are surrounded by, you can have the peace of God in your heart. Christ came to give us peace in the middle of unsettled times. Do I trust God or is my heart troubled or afraid? It says in 2 Thessalonians 3.16, Now the Lord of peace himself give you peace always by all means. The Lord be with you all. Amen. Why don't we go to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll go to another short thought and turn to communion to the Lord. Lord, thank you that you are the Prince of Peace. Lord, thank you that you can calm us, that you can bring peace into our lives no matter what goes on around us. Help us not to be fearful or agitated by the things that we see happening around us in the world. Help us to keep our eyes, our trust in you. And Lord, help us like that verse says, that you will give us peace always by all means, because you are the God of peace. Lord, we look to you. Pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Amen.